Ready? It's time for Millburgers Gardening, South Texas. Two hours of gardening facts and fun with Dr. Jerry Parsons and Dr. Calvin Finch. To be a part of the show, call 308-8867. That's 308-8867. Or toll free at 866-308-8867. And now, live from Millburgers Landscape and Nursery at 1604 and Bulverde Road, here's your host, Milton Blake. And welcome to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas on 9.30 a.m. The answer, Milton Glick at, <coughs> excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat, at a 1604 on Bulverde Road with Dr. Calvin Finch. Trace is with us. Jerry's on his way, and we just want you to come by and visit with us at 1604 on Bulverde Road or give us a call at 210-308-8867, 210 8867. At 1 o'clock, we're going to interview, you're going to learn everything that you wanted to know about Oaks as we interview the author, Douglas uh, Talame, uh, or Talame, of The Nature of Oaks book. Very interesting. It was interesting enough that I could actually decipher and understand it, which is which is pretty cool. Oh, they're so pretty. Almost uh, shocking realization, I mean, uh, declarations in terms of the oak and, and what role they play in a uh, yeah lots of in, a, so I, in the environment i only have one question yes sir did you increase your vocabulary <laughs> yes okay what are your new words uh masting no that was last week oh no i haven't increased it again this week okay, okay right. now I, I wasn't able to, to, to get any more reading done this week it's an easy read though i mean it's a yeah it's a, for as much science as in the he, yeah. he does a really good job of making it pretty anecdotal well, Trace, you want to brag on? Take some credit for the day. It's a beautiful day out here. I planned it. You did you? That yeah. good. It you, is. You, yes. How long ago did you have to put in for this? Uh, back in February. <laughs> yeah, it's a gorgeous day. Spectacular. Lots of beautiful green out there. Lots of tall green. What's uh, on the, the first uh, table out there? All that tall stuff. First table. Tomatoes? Well, no, there's no tomatoes. Um, oh, I'm yes, thinking sir. The, I'm thinking there's six-inch uh, herbs. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're nice and nice and green and bushy. And there's tomatoes there, and it's, if they're not in that first row, they're in the second. A lot of peppers. Uh, lots of peppers. Oh, including, good. Including um, Jerry's penguins. Jerry's penguins. Yeah. 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 And what? And I even had a guy yesterday ask for uh, for pekin or patine, and he didn't realize penguins were. The same thing, but hotter. So, um, oh, do you like them then? And bigger but fruit. He went back and bought bought uh, bought some. Yeah, the fruit that they produce is larger too. There he comes. Yeah, well, he didn't. It didn't take him as long as we would have. No, so, I don't. I don't understand why he's got a cane in one hand. He's not using it. He can't. He can't use the cane because he's got too much else to carry. We need to. We need to create a solution for this. Figure out some way he can put the. Uh, the drink and the cane together, or the book and the cane wow. together. So my answer is a backpack. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Oh, really? My answer is that you do your drinking at the tavern, He's, and then you don't have to go anywhere. Uh, uh, you're not helping. He's drinking tea. He, we, all right. Well, 210-308-8867. Barbara is on the line. And while you get settled, we'll uh, we'll talk with Barbara and find out if we can help her. Barbara, welcome to Millburgers Gardening South Texas. How are you doing today? I feel very special. I'm the first caller. 
Yes, you are. Congratulations. I wish there was a prize for you, but there isn't. You can give me the right answer. That's all I need. All right. Um, In this case, gentlemen, give her the right answer now. Well, if she doesn't ask ask the right question, we just hang on. I can't see you. No, no, no. She just gets disconnected. We don't have Oh, oh, that's right. (laughs) Well, what's going Uh, on, Brenda? I have a little problem. It's not a big problem, but I'm sure you have an answer for me. I would like to spot kill in certain areas, two or three different areas, and just just little, not nothing big, but um, bull metal. Bull metal is a nasty weed that we have here in Wilson County, and uh, I know it has a deep rhizome. I know I can't get rid of all of it, and I don't want to, uh, but I don't want it to kill or hurt the roots of my oak trees. Just something what was that the, I could What was that? It's bull metal. Oh, bull metal. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. That's, yeah, there a, you go. that's you not know. an easy one to kill, for sure. Nasty. Uh, so I just, there's certain areas that it's conflicting with what I'm doing, and I don't want to step in it. And so uh, I just want to spot kill it in a certain area, mostly away from the oak trees, but oak tree roots are everywhere. It, so does I it come back up the same place it. every year? Pardon? Uh, does it come back up the same place every year? Yes. I'm thinking it's a pre. Uh, it's a perennial. Oh, it's a perennial. Okay. Uh, well, you could. I, I would think a Roundup or a Remedy would. Uh, yeah, spot. You have to uh, spot treat the plant. That in the <laughs> the formula the. Uh, Milberger's here has a, a formula or a product that's designed for uh, really tough weeds like, uh, oh, poison ivy. Yeah. And I well, bet that would work. The interesting thing to me about it was that uh, Roundup has killed poison ivy when applied at a certain time fall. of the year in the fall. And I, I always now. thought that, that sounds backwards. Sounds like it ought to be applied in the spring. But that's what's on the label, and that's what people yeah. have had success doing. Now, this this product in there gives you a little more leeway. It also has a has some remedy in it, too. So I, I experimented with it on the bamboo. I'm still waiting to see how it turns Which out. one was it? It's the uh, Roundup with uh, for poison ivy. Oh, okay. So that Chris I and I kind of looked it over to to see, and saw that it had that uh, remedy on there, and and the part of that was to give it to give it some potency on the when you cut the bamboo, you mm-hmm. know, you got you got a stem, open stem there for. Are we taking bets on uh, bamboo with the chemical? Um, we we might be because I. I'm kind of happy with the results so far, but of course, as as your doubts <laughs> indicate, I didn't doubt. I just asked it, which one a, you were. That bamboo for. is unbelievable. Uh. <laughs> it, and if you if you go on the internet for bamboo, and you know they mention remedy, uh-huh. and they and they mention that so a lot of people uh, think about remedy when they think about bamboo, but. Nobody ever says that, that it actually works. So. <laughs> well, well, if if anything will knock it back, that will. What's that, Barbara? Uh, what's the answer here? 
Yeah, you're yeah. Talking, you're gone off on a tangent here. Well, this, that's because it's, the a, focus it's a pretty on tough my tangent. Oh, okay. Well, what you? Oh, if you'll just treat that bullet nettle, uh-huh. the individual plants, right yeah. in the center, All right. with a, a remedy product, or if you want to try something a little bit less, uh, the uh, uh, that one that we talk about, Round, uh, oh, the, the cut, no. cut oh, vine and stump killer. Cut vine and stump okay, killer. Okay, well, that, that active ingredient is remedy. Yeah. Oh, okay, is it? Okay, the well, active ingredient, do, yeah. What, what do I add? And now, what I would want is just small bottle because I'm not going to do all my acres out here. I just want oh. one one little bottle. The second one that Jerry was talking one. about comes in a pint uh, quart uh, and like an eight ounce bottle that has like a little fingernail polish applicator. And that's perfect. And that's why it's one, one of the reasons why it's uh, so. Uh, desirable to use because you can pick the size you want. And, yeah. Perfect. And what what is on the label that I look for? Uh, let's see. I think that's Fertiloma is the brand name, which really doesn't mean much. I think it says Cut Vine and Stump Killer, yeah. something like that on there. Okay, Fertiloma. And it's stump. Say it again. Stump. What? I think it's Cut Vine and Stump Killer. Yeah. That's what how it's worded. Where where will you buy it, Barbara? Will you? If if you uh, bought it here, of course, with the wheat, then somebody could help you. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there and the pick country. the right one. Uh, cut vine and stump killer. There yeah. you go. There you go. You got it. Stump killer. But I can <laughs> order it off the internet, make, right? Make, make a little note. I don't know. Remedy. Remedy not, buy it. I'm not sure they can put that through the mail. Yeah. But oh, there really? would probably be some place there. Would be, uh, yeah, there would be. Uh, Where is she? She's in Wilson County. MSDS would have to accompany it. Told you, Wilson County people, please stop. (laughs) Just uh, (laughs) no. We love our Wilson County people. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. That's what I needed, and I really appreciate your help. And I'll be listening. Y'all have a wonderful day. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you don't have any gophers or sandbirds down there. There's going to be a oh, never. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you have hey, gophers by the way, I was sandbird? really thrilled uh, just to get off the subject a little bit. I had a two-story palm that I thought was frozen dead. It's about two stories high, and I have a sago palm, huge sago palm. I thought that was dead, and uh, new frogs are coming out right now. So, congratulations! That's right. I'm seeing new fronds coming up all all over the place. Yeah, sagos. Now, there's a lumber yard. There's a lumber company over there uh, on the way to Pleasanton. I bet they have. Um, There's bound to be a feed store near you. Yeah, yeah that would happen. Oh, I know there is. Yeah, I'll, I can probably find something. So I'll just be yeah. calling around. Yeah, just and just mention what you're after, and they'll. they'll I'm sure. Yes, they'll, you know, uh, if anybody and out here, they know what bull nettle is. It's nasty stuff. You don't want it. Oh running. yeah. Well, Jerry King and I we were getting ready to have a bull nettle <laughs> uh, festival out in. Uh, <laughs> Get the name of that little town. It's right at the side of the road there. And uh, it, the bull nettle actually has a nut in the, in the center. Oh, God. 
some people think they're nuts. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't know that. I, some people Nuts yeah. are harvestable. You know, I, I heard there were a few nuts at the uh, Bull Metal Festival. Today. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to come up with that joke, but I couldn't, yeah. quite, I couldn't quite get there. Yeah. Oh. Another, another thing that we should have mentioned, because Jerry and I usually do, is your, your extension agent there is probably used to Oh, helping yeah. helping homeowners or landowners uh, yeah. address that yeah. bull nettle. So they probably got some real, real information there too, Dad. That's a good idea. Yeah. I can Help give you. them a call. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know who the new agent is out there. <laughs> uh, the last one uh, went to work in uh, yeah. college. Well, here you can, and you can tell how long I've been listening to the show. Well, at least you don't have cut ants, Barbara. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got that. Oh, and and congratulations. Ah. <laughs> It's pestilence. It's like now we're all complete. (laughs) Yeah, we we miss visiting with everybody at the South Texas uh, Garden Festival up there in Floresville. Oh, Oh, what a we've got a a wild year with weather. So it has been wild. What a lot of people don't realize is that product will also kill gophers. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Well, if you I give them an enema with it, now. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, do you, have, you have pictures on plantanswers.com? Yeah, giving them an enema is hard. Why don't you get some pictures on plantanswers? Okay. So, yeah. so everybody could find the procedure? Yeah. Uh-huh. You do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much. Appreciate <laughs> it. You started the shot off well, we, the show oh, off good. well. We appreciate good. it. Good. I enjoyed it. All Thanks right. So much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, I remember we had those pictures. Uh, somebody was talking about bull nettles, and I said I didn't know what they were. were. I said, go Google it. And it was like, oh, my God, they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look, oh, yeah, they hurt. They, they, they're they the back they every mean, year. And they're, is that the one that punctures tires? Yeah. And, yeah. It can well, be. it surprises me. I don't because you even up north you, you hear about them, and then down in Wilson County, I yeah. guess. But we don't hear as much as I would expect in the rest of our territory. No, I, I think they're in sand mainly. Uh-huh. What are they in nor- up north everywhere? I just it seems like they were everywhere. Okay. So it, uh, of course, there's a lot of soil. Yeah. All right, 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867, and toll-free, it's 866-308-8867, the number to call to be a part of today's show. We've started it off great, so keep us going. Give us a call. Tell us what's going on. Tell us if you've got any uh, any freeze success, things that you thought would not come back but now are coming back. That's exciting on those uh, Sagos she had. Yeah, and we've... Uh, you said you're seeing a lot more, too? Oh, yeah, on the sagos for sure, and uh, well, low quats, a lot of a lot of leaf damage, but uh, all the ones in my neighborhood are the the leaves are coming back. Uh, so that's they, good. So yeah, that is good. Stems, unless you don't like low quat. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, let's see what else. I, I, I still the viburnum. I've we've had a number of reports the viburnum coming back. I have not seen it. Come back yet? So. No, but uh, must I mean uh, lots of good gardeners have reported it, so it must be doing the must be coming back with the the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, now if we just had our uh, citrus and uh, yeah, citrus is the main thing. <laughs> I don't think mine's coming back. I, I got the mighty dead. Yeah, I've got. I, 
my grapefruit looks done for. I've got some trickles of growth on the lemons and the limes. Oh, is that right? Uh, but nothing on the satsumas either. That's what's so strange. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I, you know, I I, get, I was hoping for mine citrus to come back. And I have a lot of pictures uh, of citrus in my backyard. So did you kiss it goodbye? Yeah. And after Milton told me to go ahead and <laughs> kiss it goodbye and get out old pictures. That's funny. I, I don't remember ever saying that. but Well, you will after I keep reminding Yeah, then it'll uh, just seem like it's me. <laughs> I see how this works. You know, we got a 20-year... Uh, Problem our uh, twenty-year uh, endurance rate on this program, man. Yeah, you're not going down. I see. <laughs> George is on the line at two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven. Oh, I don't know if he's got a bull nettle question or bull nettle advice. George, welcome to Millburgers Bull Nettle Hotline. How can we help you? I have a bull nettle advice as to how to get rid of them. Oh, what's uh, that? Well, first way is uh, post hole diggers go down beside it about four feet because once you get down past 18 inches you're going to run into a tater about as big as your leg and, and you obviously you're talking about some place that's got sand for yeah. soil <laughs> oh yeah 18 Wilson inches County sand tough. yeah uh-huh. sand hills um that that that's the hard way of doing it but it'll get it'll get rid of it that day but, uh, okay, wait a minute. Way. You dig down with a post hole digger next to the root system, to, and then what? Next to the root. Okay, the, the top root is going to be about as big as your pinky for about 18 inches. You follow that down, and then it goes out to a great big uh, uh, root, potato, whatever you want to call it, and it will be as long as your leg and big as round. Gracious. Yeah, they're, they're, they're there to stay. The, in the sand, they uh, they go down deep, but it's easy digging. Um, but the other way, uh, if you don't have any neighbors, is urea Uh-oh. acid. Uh, to, do, to do what? Urea acid. Urinate on them and do that That's twice a day for a week, and they will shrivel up and be gone. And what? both of those, both of What's those. What's the source of uric acid other than? Pardon? Where would you get it? Uh, drink lots of coffee. Urine, urine isn't it? Oh, yeah. Are you yes, peeing yes, on these plants? Yes. yes. And it oh, what? <laughs> yeah, that sounds I like think, a, I think that was just water. I think Jerry's just no, jealous no. that you 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 came up with a <laughs> a pee solution. I, 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 have, I have I have already killed six this year. <laughs> huh. Well, what what were what were you eating or drinking before you made the application? Uh, coffee. Coffee. Um, yeah. It, what it what about hard it. liquor? No, now you're going that. Calvin. Uh-huh. About that. Now you sound like Calvin. Well, I'm just talking about the composition of the do you, do you uh, want, application. Do you want him to send you pictures? No, yeah. <laughs> well, you of could, the application. Uh, Milton, Milton, you got to oh. be far-sighted you, because this could be well, a, a party well, of some kind, you know? What? A uric acid 
party, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bonetto Bo control. I see. So everybody comes over to George's place. They all get coffee or beer. Well, he he might uh, he might start bottling that and selling it. Oh yeah, in Ooh. Wilson County, George's bull metal killer. Got, there you go. I got magic. I got magic feet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you you know who? Uh... If it's George, you're in for the kill. <laughs> ah, get it? Okay. I came, the no. way I came up, the way I came up with this was uh, my dad. someone out there got it. Whenever whenever he hit the bull metal. Be on his leg to get make the stinging stop. There you the go. acid. So I'll figure if it does that, let's see what happens to the plant. You you know you know who had a had that as an ingredient for one of his. I thought I don't know what a firing killer or what he used it as. Said Paul. You, you know who that was. Malcolm Beck. Oh, oh my goodness! See, you're in good company. <laughs> and I, I told Malcolm when he came, he told me what was was in that formula. I said, Malcolm, <laughs> if it works, you can't keep the supply. <laughs> You'll have to be dra- dra- drinking water and taking diuretics every thirty minutes. <laughs> Imagine poor Malcolm oh. sitting in the bathroom. We're getting rich. <laughs> I'm dying here. We got customers out here. <laughs> Come huh? on, Malcolm, get working. Okay, well, George, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it works. I bet this crop. phone call is going to cut down on your company and visit. Uh, George. Well, I don't know if it works. Uh, yeah. George may be a hero in Wilson County. People lined up. As long as your neighbors ain't watching you, you can get away with it. There All right. Go. Thank you, George. <laughs> Bye, George. All right. I bet, I, All bet, right. I bet none of the other radio stations have called in like we No, did. that's great. Uh, if, if, you've, if you've done this, this control uh, method, <laughs> we want to hear from you at 210-308-8867. I tell, you, I tell you one thing. Yeah. When you're doing that, especially for the ladies, if you slip Ow. and fall into that thing, because they're, they're deadly. Yeah, oh, uh, so you have to be very careful. Yeah, just buy it from George. Don't do yeah, it. Don't do yeah. it yourself. I would do that too. Yeah, George is bull nettle killer. You're in good company when you're with George. Okay. You're in good company. Oh yeah, yeah. I knew that was okay. We'll take a quick break and come back in a moment. Two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven. More in a moment with Dr. Jerry Parsons and Dr. Calvin Finch. I'm Milton Glick. This is nine thirty a.m. The Answer. still moves you wonder how you carry on but you'll be okay and welcome back to Alberta's Gardening South Texas on 9:30 a.m. the answer real quick talk to you about Spider-Man termite and pest control I was talking to uh Warren Remy, and he said, you know, there was a lot of information out there initially that said that after this freeze uh, that the fire ants would go away. They're uh, gone. No, that's what it said. They've destroyed. He's they actually found out destroyed. exactly the opposite is happening, and he is getting lots of fire ant calls. What? That's what Spider-Man is saying, and I believe him. There's so, no way they could have taken that cold temperature. So if you've got, what did he say? He kind of explained it. He said, yeah, they go deep, so it's not, a, yeah. they, they don't care. 
Uh, so if you get, if you are now disappointed that you have a fire ant problem, you need to call them. Call Spider-Man Termite and Pest Control and let them help you um, excuse me, take care of the problem and get rid of those nasty fire ants. 210-656-3721. 210-656-3721 for Spider-Man Termite and Pest Control. And you can read all about them at GoSpiderManPest.com. GoSpiderManPest.com. I bet those gophers froze down there. Yeah, Northern I bet. County. Yeah, we should get Barbara calls back. We didn't ask George about his gophers. Yeah, it's a sad it's a sad thing when you think Fro- of all those little gophers under the ground, frozen stiff and do do no hope for life. Are there any gopher fire ant fights? No. Are there fire ants in Wilson County? Oh hell yes. Oh dear. <laughs> is, is there any I, I guarantee you if a gopher Stays in one place very long. They're gonna get fire ants. They'll get them. Any meat. Any meat. Oh. And if you don't believe that, just put out a piece of hamburger, raw hamburger meat. Yeah, I believe you. I'm not gonna see how long it takes for the fire ants to pass. Some people say, "Well, I don't have fire ants." Okay, you put out that little piece of uh, raw meat. Or if you want to try it yourself, just put on shorts like Milton's got on today and sit down out by your patio Yeah, with your flesh touching the soil. Or, uh, and they'll, they'll find you. They'll find me, huh? Yeah. We went to um, visit some folks uh, in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And they had some serious fire <laughs> mounds. So, I didn't think they went that far north. Yo, I think they were fire ants. Uh, yeah, they are. You know how to tell it. No, I fire. don't want to know. I'm not going to do the hamburger. Uh, <laughs> not going to cover. No, mine. I did this on TV. What you do when pe- people were calling in, want to know uh, if they had fire, fire ants or not. They had ants, but they didn't know if they were the fire ants or not. And I don't know if. Uh, Warren Remedy um, uh, mentions this or not. So uh, on TV, I, I got the camera over by a mound that we had not identified, didn't know what, what it was. And I told people, just stick your forefinger knuckle deep into that little mound of soil that you see out there and wiggle it a little bit. Yeah. And then wait uh, for 40 seconds. And if if within 40 seconds they hadn't eaten all the flesh off your arm up to your elbow, then it's probably not fire. Oh, that seems like very isn't poor. That, isn't that an interesting way to It do? seems like poor advice. What? I'm afraid so. It works all the time. Yeah, but it's not a good way to do it. <laughs> I don't think Warren needs to do that anymore. Now, I, didn't, I didn't do what I, one of our previous agricultural... Uh, worked for... Uh, t- TDA, Texas Department of Agriculture, and it used to be a, I'm showing my age now, it used to be a commissioner of agriculture years ago, and he was doing a fire deal on, he was more dedicated than I was, and he actually let the fire ants sting him uh, several, about probably two days before the TV program was to have. And it makes those little uh, pulses, uh, the way they sting you, it makes those little sores on you. Yeah. And so he had those sores on TV with the ants. 
That's dedication. Yeah, that's dedication. I'll think of that guy. Tom is on the line at 210-308-8867. Tom, welcome to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas. How are you doing today? Doing great, thanks. Hey, I had a question about grafted versus rootstock trees. So I've got a uh, plum tree that's got a big knot on the bottom at the base of the trunk, which I assume is the graft. What kind of tree? A plum. Oh, a plum tree. Yeah. Okay. But anyhow, and then I've got a uh, orange tree, a a mandarin tree, that looks like it's just slender all the way from the ground up. So would would a graft be visible from above the ground? Uh, or is it something there? Normally, no. Normally, no. Uh, okay. On some 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 uh, plants, uh, trees, uh, you can readily see the swelling, which is the graft, which is where right. it was grafted. Hi. Uh, you want to be the, right a little here? known by people is that the graft, <laughs> that swelling, is actually an incompatibility. Of rootstocks from uh, one to another, and so. Um, but if you had a had a satsuma mandarin uh, that froze below any type part that you see as, sw- as swelled, uh, it's probably grafted and it's probably dead. Well, nothing, what I was really nothing but the rootstock might come back. Yeah, what I was really thinking about is whether if it was grafted, of course, if I was going to try to plant those seeds and bring a tree back over the years, you know, if it's rootstock, I thought I would be able to come back with and get the same fruit over, you know, five or seven years down the road. And if it was grafted, I would not. But I was trying to figure out whether the mandarin was how I could tell if it was rootstock or grafted. Uh, like I said, uh, go down to the wood changes color from, oh, from the, and the leaves are different. In other words, uh, uh, most of those things are grafted on side. How old is a tree? About 12 years, I think. 12 years old. And, uh, where'd you get it? I got it from Lowe's. Okay. And uh, you don't know the name of it, do you? It's a it's a the variety, the, yes. the Darcy. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's called Darcy Mandarin. What kind? Darcy. I think Darcy. it's Darcy. Oh, Darcy. That's an that's an orange, isn't it? Well, or it's I think it's, it's identi- yeah, yeah, it's identified as a Mandarin, but who knows? Has it has it fruited? Oh, you know, I probably had 150, 200 oranges off of it this past fall, winter. Okay, when you when you peel it, does the skin come off readily? Break away from the flesh? Uh, it's 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 moderate. It's not like an orange. It's not as easy as a navel orange, but it's not as hard as a regular orange. And it's, okay, it's sweet, right? It's tart. Tart. Okay, I mean, I think you, yeah, you know, you would probably 99 percent of the tread of uh, uh, saying would be uh, would be grafted. 
Okay. Now, has that uh, below ground sent up a shoot yet? No. Okay. I've seen no signs of life, so I just haven't cut it down yet. Yeah, me either. I haven't cut mine down either. (laughs) Still Uh, saying my prayer. The the leaves are all falling, and I'm looking out there. I got some weeds growing under that uh, from the back porch uh, looks like they're sprouting. But uh, wait wait till it sprouts, if it sprouts. If it doesn't sprout in six or seven years, you two are going to wait that long. Huh? Maybe, maybe two weeks, two to three weeks. Yeah. If you don't see anything coming up from around that plant, uh, the whole plant is dead. If you see something coming up from uh, below ground uh, and the, the leaves, uh, there'll be a fast-growing sprout or stem that comes out right at the bottom of the plant. And that thing will grow <laughs> two feet a day almost. And uh, mm-hmm. when it when that sprout, if that sprout has a uh, a thorns on it, or has a Treated. very unusual leaf, trifoliate, yeah, trifoliate, then you've got a rootstock, and you okay. need to just cut it out or kill it or something else. Right. Yep. Okay. So you're you're probably probably not going to have any anything but roots got rootstock come back. Now, yep, remind us so, for those listeners out there too. Uh, I'm going to uh, Changshaw tangerines. They would not be on a on a on a rootstock, would they? No. Yeah. So that's different. Yeah, they're they're on their own rootstock. So, and a lot, most of the time they don't freeze all the way back to the ground. I know Malcolm's out of Gardenville never did. Uh, I, it's, the tops might have frozen out yeah. there. The new so. growth, but uh, the main tree itself never died. He I, had uh, five of them in a row, I think. Yeah, I didn't want everybody to, because uh, they've been a little slow. It surprised me how slow they've been to come. Oh, strong. yeah. Especially from a dead hey. plant. Yeah, <laughs> Except uh, let me ask I you. I have, I have one more. Is, is probably uh, one more question. Quickly. Um, as far, I, so age of the plant, I've got a grapefruit tree that I've been getting grapefruit off of that belonged to my neighbors. That is probably I'm going to guess forty or fifty years old. And would that most likely, based on its age, be a root stock versus a grafted plant? No, that that uh, that might have been on its own root root system as well. So yeah. uh, if it hadn't frozen back in forty or fifty years, where do you live? Over by Fort Sam. Oh, okay. If it hadn't frozen back in that many times, uh, uh, it's probably on its own root system. Okay. That's well, a possibility. That's yeah. What color are the grapefruit? Are uh, the grapefruit uh, white inside with a lot of seed? Um, there, I you know there are not. I'd say they are more white than anything else. Yeah, that's a, the old grapefruit. Are they yeah. sweet? Yeah, they were delicious. Hard. Delicious. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll bet. Could be bloom sweet. 
but I was just what trying to figure do out. You know? Well, I don't think that's an, you know, you don't know how <laughs> accurate that is. Oh. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All right, let's answer Margaret's question real quick at 210-308-8867. Hi, Margaret. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Good day. Hi. I was called to see that so we have this olive tree that's about probably 15 years old in the front yard. It's not real tall. And it has those, I think it's one of those poisonous olive trees, but it's got the little white flowers. It's just beautiful when it blooms. But it froze during the snowstorm. And nothing's come back. And now this week we see all these leaves growing up the trunk. And it looks all shaggy because it's just leaves. There's nothing on the, on, up on the, uh, branches though. Is, what is that? What are those leaves? I mean, is that, uh, that's, that's, uh, almost the exact same thing is happening on all the Mexican olive trees, including mine. Uh, they, they're, uh, they're re, uh, that means that that main stem is still alive, whereas those exterior stems, a lot of them ha- were killed in the freeze. But they'll, it'll be, it'll fill in really fast. So you, at some point, you can uh, start c- cutting the uh, dead branches, wood out of there. And yeah. Jerry, uh, Jerry always uh, talks about the. Uh, Foul the dead wood down until you come to the green on it, yeah. and, that, and that'll be relatively easy with yours because it'd be real obvious where, oh, the, yeah. where the plant. So do I? Do I wait though? I mean, I don't start cutting off the whole canopy, do I? Yeah, you can. Well, yeah. if the whole canopy is dead, you might well cut it off because you're gonna. What you're gonna get is if those branches are dead, those main shoots that are are leafing. That's where all the new stems and everything are going to come from. The only thing so that's you're... leaping is the trunk. Yes. Okay. Well, just wait two days and it'll be out there three feet. I mean, that. Yeah, they grow more branches? Place. I'm sorry? Do what? They grow more branches? Is that what happens if you cut off all the branches? It doesn't drop them. It'll hold them, and the new growth will grow between them. And then it gets then it gets difficult to, to manage. Yeah, harder, more harder to get the. Uh, but you, you can wait. Dead limbs. You, you can wait if you want, but it's just it's just so much easier, and uh, you're not sacrificing a lot because, you know, if you just cut, say you cut one accidentally that was alive. They're going to be growing gangbusters. They've got a root system that's uh, ready for action, and they're going to be growing gangbusters. So you, you don't have to be real fussy about it. Okay. And one quick thing. Um, so I, we're going to put soil. Um, I called about this before, and some uh, grass squares in the back where it's kind of washed away, and now it's all weeds. And we haven't put the soil down yet, and the grass squares. Do we have to get rid of all those weeds? Because this just tons of them and covers the place. So they're getting ready to put, put down soil and sod, and, the and they've got weeds where there is now. They have to get rid of the weeds before they. I, w- I would just use a contact herbicide like a Roundup or glyphosate. That just won't hurt the new soil and grass going on top of it? No. You spray it on, wait wait on new foliage, in other words, the foliage is growing, don't cut it back. 
and then wait uh, wait two or three days if you if that make you feel better. But actually, after it dries, uh, you can put it on, put the sod over it. But I, okay, I, I would just, just to just to be sure that you got a good spray pattern. Uh, go ahead and let those re- weeds die. Okay. That you spray, and that'll be about a week or ten days. And then put the soil and grass grows on top of that. Ma'am. And then put the soil and grass squares on top of that, right? Right. And do I have to pull them away or just let it die and just put the soil on top of it, or do I have to rake all the weeds off? No, you, it'll die. It'll die. Uh, if, you, if you're content, you can just, you know, if, you, if the weeds have started to die, they're going to they're gonna go the rest way. You can just cover them up then and forget about them. Or if okay. that if that makes you uncomfortable, then you can cut them or pull them out or whatever you want. Mow to do, but you don't have yeah mowing, but you don't have okay. to do that. Okay, Alrighty? thanks. Thank you, Margaret. Lonnie, hang Thank on, you. don't go anywhere. We're going to get to you after this break. We've got to take a quick one. Back in a moment. Two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven. Two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven. More after this on Millburgers Gardening South Texas on nine thirty a.m. The answer. I'm a lineman for the county, and I drive the main road, searching in the sun. And welcome back to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas, on 930 AM. The answer, 210-308-8867. Lonnie, I promise we're going to get to you just after I tell everybody about Deck and Patio Care by Barry Hagendorf. I want to recommend you go to deckandpatiocare.com because I've heard, I've heard somebody the other day, and they were talking about, you know, having to replace boards, and they'd gone, and, and I guess that happens. But if you, I think if you do some staining, if you do some treating, you can alleviate that as long as possible, and Barry can help you with it. Ask Barry. Uh, about that. Tell them you want, you know, you got the deck and or you just put in new stuff and you want to make sure it lasts as long as possible. Barry is considered, and I'm not bragging on this, it's absolutely true, uh, one of the nation's leaking experts in deck and patio care and staining and sealing wood. So give him a call, but go to the website and you'll see pictures or give him a call at 210-822-9147. You'll really enjoy working with Barry, 210-822-9147, or check him out at deckandpatiocare.com. Okay, Lonnie, thanks for waiting. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, um, my question pertains to, uh, uh, well, the question is, um, it, it, is there such a thing or is it a perfect scam uh, as a bell pepper transplant that is uh, has on the package that it's red bell peppers or yellow bell peppers, for instance? Or, uh, I mean, my understanding is bell peppers color changes as, as they mature. Youngest are green. Next, they are turned, um, I guess, red or perhaps yellow or orange or whatever the order is, depending upon how long they've, uh, it takes them to mature. Well, there are varieties of uh, bell pepper that uh, I'm pretty sure that they act, the little immature fruit is yellow. And then it gets larger and larger, and uh, it matures as a yellow thing. 
most green pep- bell peppers, which is like we sell around here, uh, the uh, it it's green when it's small, then it turns a little kind of a light light green, and then it turns to be red. One of those we sell though it turns or, orange or orange orange yeah. or yellow. Well, what I said is there is a yellow fruit. Yeah. So some of our best ones here in the garden are. Yeah. And so that, there, there is no standard if it's it, it's not an indication of the ripeness of the vegetable no, necessarily. No, it's, it's the variety. The okay. It's the variety. Some oh, varieties when they mature turn red. Some varieties when they mature turn are yellow. But don't they always have to be a, a green to begin with, though? Isn't that the first stage? I don't know. I think that yellow and the little bitty peppers that it first sets uh, are yellow, as I recall. I'm not sure. I was trying to remember if I've ever seen it. Well, what's the one we sell here? Uh, not California Wonder. That's an old... Uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. And I think Aladdin... Aladdin starts green. It's yellow. It starts green, then it changes. It starts green and changes. Okay. But the taste is different. I just, to, when they change that, that last color, I think they're sweeter. They're less peppery. Yeah, they were probably trying to make that happen. Yeah. But anyway. We had stuffed red peppers last night, by the way. They're very good. High yeah. in vitamin C, by the way. Oh. Okay. All righty, Lonnie. Yeah, Thank thanks. Thank you very much. Now, the fun thing with that is the Rio Grande gold peppers because you get a big bush. It looks like you got a Christmas tree with all different colored lights on it because they all mature at a different time, and they're all like... Yeah, they come on yellow and then turn uh, orange and then... And then red? Red, then red. Yeah. I don't know that they're evergreen, are they? No. The Rio Grande gold. I'm asking uh, Jerry. You think we have some left? I have no idea. Okay. Rio Grande Gold? Yes. I surveyed all yeah, that in the morning. There's some there. there, yeah. Calvin says yes, he surveyed. I went yeah, I went over there this morning. I'm have, have you got any of my chili penguins? I do. Yeah. I even had a guy come in and ask for a pequeño or patine. Had no idea that they're tagged penguins. So <laughs> I had no idea that's what it was. So he was ecstatic that it was bigger and hotter. So he went, about, went and bought a bunch of them. There you go. All right. Very cool. All and right, that, that's all that's going to be on the market the rest of the year. So uh, you might want to uh, come on over here. Uh, this is the main nursery that has all the plants. Uh, so I've heard rumors that I have more plants than everybody else. Oh, uh, you do! Wow, he has a tendency to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I used to have it's, to hide it's, from it's my... It's like going to the buffet. I can't just <laughs> okay, set yeah. over one plate. <laughs> I, I used to get a lot of criticism from my supervisors over at Texas A&M, which it was nothing new. Yeah. I was, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, get in line. I had to be very careful, especially with one of the one of the retailers, all the available recommended plants. And not let any other nursery have it. Can't blame the man. Now, I don't know who was who he who he might have rubbed off on, <laughs> but I got a suspicion. Are, are you trying to say he was my mentor? Well, yeah, <laughs> a lot of our mentors, Even David Rodriguez and all of us. But anyway, uh, uh, we've got got uh, 
Jennifer Penguin. Yeah. Which, again, is a write-up on plantanswers.com. I started to put it on the front page. Uh, but then, and there's one on uh, Real Grandy Gold. I, if I got the Real Grandy Gold, that was apparently everything that existed. Yeah, Just, uh, right, right. Mm. It was. No more tomatoes, though, you said. I ordered a flat. Uh, they they didn't have very many, but I in the, I couldn't resist. In the one gallon or the uh, four? No, they didn't have any gallons. It's four, oh, four and a half. So yeah. we'll see. What what what, kind, what variety? I I want to say I probably won't even get them because they only had a couple flats. Celebrity, I think. Oh okay. Well, we haven't uh, <laughs> talked about celebrity. This uh, freeze <laughs> and lack of supplies. Uh, we haven't talked about celebrity being named uh, Texas superstar, and uh, I've got I've got the right I've got some I've got the right or oh, David Rodriguez sent us a write up, very good write up, all down yeah, of of celebrity being uh, uh, tested in San Antonio. Before it was named celebrity. Now, in the terms of most local gardeners, they already think it was a yeah. uh, declared a <laughs> Texas superstar yeah. because they've relied yeah. on it for so long. It's been a Texas superstar. That's it right. just finally got yeah. the recognition it deserved. Yeah. And all over the United States. That's the amazing thing about it. When you read our write-up, uh, it, it was highly praised even before it was named celebrity. Mm-hmm. By the Pito, I think it was C Company. But anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll get that written up uh, after I get off my lazy. Um, leave, it, leave it at that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> best, best just leave it there. We can figure it out. But I'm, I'm minute, <laughs> minutes away from getting that written up. But uh, it's been a good one for a long time. You won't believe how long it's been a good one. Eighty years. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Eighty years. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, uh, Trace will remember when we did the promotion for uh, Celebrity. It was the first time that tomato plant had ever been. I think I think the entire time I've been doing celebrity. this, Celebrity was already. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, I'm not saying how old I am, but I started when I was 16. <laughs> and we had. Uh, 80 years, huh? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> we had we had a pepper along with that variety. Uh, it's called Bell Tower, one of the better, best uh, peppers ever been put on the market. But uh, I guess they've lost the seed. I kind of mm-hmm. lost contact with Bell Tower. But uh, anyway, that's a, that has an interesting uh, history. And uh, as I remember it, uh, Trace brought, brought in the firsties was Celebrity and Tycoon and I don't remember the other one. All right. Uh, rodeo and Snapper. Yeah. Yeah, I think Snapper, yeah. Hey, we got to take a quick break. While we do, give us a call, 210-308-8867. When we come back, we'll talk to the author of The Nature of Oaks, Douglas, and I hope I'm, uh, Al's going to clarify, uh, Talame. And uh, we'll talk to him after this on 930 a.m. The Answer. And welcome to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas, on 930 a.m. The Answer, broadcast live from Millburgers at 1604 and Boulevardy Road, where we are surrounded 
by beautiful live oaks. Okay, why am I saying that? I'm trying to give our guest a picture that I hope he will enjoy because, yeah, we got plenty of huge, huge uh, live oaks, right? Are these live oaks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm just making sure. (laughs) The book is uh, A Rich Ecology, The Nature of Oaks, A Rich Ecology of Our Most Essential Native Trees. The author is Douglas Talame, uh, or Talame. Douglas, uh, you'll have to tell me how to pronounce that. I I hope I've uh, um, pronounced it right. Talame is right. Talame? Talame. Yes. Oh, Talamy. Okay, good. Well, Douglas, um, uh, we we got two experts here. I'll introduce you. If you're sitting in the middle, uh, Dr. Calvin Finch is to your right. Dr. Jerry Parsons is to your left. I'm in the middle. I'm the least knowledgeable. And I got to tell our listeners that uh, I'm I'm in the middle of reading the book, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the information, and I'm enjoying the ease uh, of understandability because. it, it's really a, a joy to read and learn from. And I, I came back um, last week after reading a little bit, bragging about all the terms I'd, I'd learned on there. Uh, and uh, the, these guys here who already knew them were not impressed. <laughs> well, tra- tra- Trace, the manager of the nursery, came in just this, uh, a few minutes ago and wanted to hear. She, he was impressed with. Uh, oh, was he impressed that I? Yeah, but then he wanted your the new terms that you learned today. Oh, yeah, I haven't learned the new terms yet. Yeah, you can't just quit. You know, after uh, the two terms, two terms a day. You know, Douglas, you'll have to help me to to, to with some of the new terms. But okay, so uh, do us a favor, real quick, and then I'll kind of ask you uh, some questions. Where where did the idea come from? And uh, describe the book for folks, uh, and then we'll kind of get into more specifics. Okay. Uh, well, I've been I've been studying how plants support the local food web for you know the last twenty years anyway. One of the things we've learned is that there's huge differences among our plants and how well they pass on the energy that they capture from the sun. And of course, if they don't pass it on, then we don't have any animals. That and we need animals because they run the ecosystems that we all depend on. So the goal has been to uh, do a better job of landscaping our, our yards because they're such a huge part of the landscape. And if we don't landscape them in a way that enhances local ecosystems, those ecosystems get really degraded, and, and then we all suffer. So one of the things we found is that just 5% of our native plants are making about 75% of the food. And the food is mostly in the form of caterpillars. So, for example, it takes it takes a bird to, to rear their young, you know, close to 10,000 caterpillars to make one nest of, of clutchlings. So, you know, where are they going to get this caterpillar? They have to get them from the plants that make them. And this is where oaks come in because oaks make more caterpillars than any other plants. Well, a lot of people don't know all that, so I decided to write this book. Well, if we if you were in South Texas uh, last month, you knew that caterpillars and oaks were related because we had those little webworms, little sticky inchworms that you if you went well i was complaining about it and then i read your book and then i felt bad about complaining um (laughs) but uh yeah you couldn't walk through our our normal park uh, here on the trails they came in my house they came in jerry's house they attacked it in in my bed (laughs) it's it's uh, terrible that is why that's why the birds migrate at this time because that's what they're living off of they fly through and they eat as many of those as they can 
And uh, yeah, it, it, and that's uh, it's just some of the stuff. We'll, we'll I'll let Calvin take over in a second, but I want to brag on all my terms. One of the questions. So I'm the host here. I'm not the expert. But one of the questions we constantly get, and I didn't know there was a word for it, was, "What am I going to do with all these acorns in my yard, and how do I get rid of them?" And I realized, do you want to? That's called masting. Is that right? Right. Right. And then, and um, tell us a little bit about what happens with them and, and what masting does and some of the theory. What Was it the theories on masting or marcescence, I think? I'm trying to – anyway, talk a little bit about masting yeah. so folks know what's <laughs> happening. All right. There's theories on both of those. So we'll start with masting. Masting is when uh, all the oaks in a particular group make their acorns at the same time. So you've got a lot of acorns. And they're doing that to overwhelm the things that eat acorns. Uh, so if they had made the same amount of acorns every year, then all the mice and the chipmunks and the birds and the acorn weevils and all of those things that attack acorns would stabilize their populations around that level, and they'd eat all the acorns. So oaks have gotten smart. They make just a few acorns a couple years, and then they blast and make all of them at once, and it's far more than the, the critters that are eat, eating acorns can handle. And that's how they get to successfully reproduce, called predator satiation. Very cool. So they should just put up with the acorns for that year, and because that's that's the the oaks are taking care of themselves. The oaks are just like us; they do the best they can yeah. to take care of themselves. And the other thing I learned these were the two words I thought would impress everybody. And tell me if I'm saying this right: was marcescence. That's right. That's right. Hey, how about that? Yeah, is, it's when when. Um, the oak leaves don't drop in the fall, and this is mostly in the white oak group. There's different groups of, of oaks. They hold their leaves pretty much all winter long, and if you look carefully at it, they hold them on the lower branches or younger trees. Uh, and the theory behind that is that uh, it wasn't that long ago, eight, 9,000 years ago, that there were a lot of giant mammals roaming, roaming the land. There were three species of mammoths in Mexico alone. It was a giant sloth that could reach up 18 feet. Well, those guys were browsers. A browser is like a, a white-tailed deer. They eat the, the bud tips off of uh, woody plants. And if you surround those, those buds with dead leaves, it's not very tasty anymore. And those leaves are crinkly. They make noise if you try to eat them. So uh, and that would attract predators. So those two things are, are um, designed to keep those big mammals from being oak leaves. And you'll notice that goes up about 18 feet, and then all of a sudden the leaves, leaves drop. So they're only held as far as those big mammals can reach. That's, that's fascinating. And then, and then they tend to kind of – this was also something, and we get questions about this as well. Um, poor Calvin's chomping to the bit. He's ready to ask questions. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh. I'm fine. Okay. Um, is that anybody who this time of year is raking up all those leaves off their uh, – off their uh, their lawn, um, but that's also a, a self defense mechanism of kind of dropping everything at once and kind of creating. This is it just made me think of Malcolm Beck, who uh, was from San Antonio and uh, a friend of the show, uh, but talking about creating their own layer of mulch to, pr- to protect themselves exactly. from the upcoming yeah. heat in San Antonio, which is pretty smart of those oaks. Uh, yeah, leaves oh, cool. are the perfect mulch. It's a blanket that covers the ground, and the reason that's important is that there, there are actually more species that live in our soil than above the soil, and they're, they're, they're the detritivores. They're the things that are turning over 
Now, breaking down those leaves and returning nutrients to the soil, putting all that organic matter in the soil. And that's what the roots of the trees take up again. So it's a, it's a closed cycle. All the nutrients you need for your tree is right there in those leaves. And if you rake them up and throw them away, you've thrown away uh, the nutrients that they need. You've exposed the soil to, to those hot temperatures and drying out. And then you get the, the thunderstorm, and then it, it, you've got erosion happening. So the best blanket is is uh, those leaves, and oak leaves are so good because they last a long time. It takes up to three years for an oak leaf to, to break down, much faster than a maple leaf or something else, which, which doesn't even make it through the summer. Our guest today is the author of The Nature of Oaks. It's a brand-new book by Douglas Talamai, uh, or Talam, yeah, Talamai, and uh, it's, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Talamai, is it like M-E or M-O? Tell me. Okay, well, I'm going to get it. Um, you may me want to switch to Douglas. Douglas, yeah, just. <laughs> you know what? Just call me Doug. That's, that'll work. But I want the, I'll call you Doug, but I want them to find your book, T A L L A M Y. <laughs> I will spell it uh, because I'm having trouble pronouncing it. But anyway, okay, I'm going to turn you over to the experts, Doug. Because Calvin read the book, took Calvin probably what about three days, just to not, or maybe let it out. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really interesting too. It's a, it's got a lot of uh, science and, but it's a, presented in a in a pretty anecdotal way, so that, you know, Milton got excited about. I know, that, <laughs> which is which is a, a good one of the tests that we go yeah. through to. To see uh, uh, how how the information is available, did it, you know you talked a lot about your students and them participating in you collecting the information and is a this uh, idea of the oak as the major environmental factor in making our landscapes sustainable? I mean, did it, have any of the those young people? gotten all excited and said hey this is a cause that i need to get behind or, or are you the main are are do you have an organization or a uh, oh some kind of uh, idea that you know that an organization that you got, you guys are promoting to cuz it, it's a little you know we we would be could be accused here Jerry and i uh, promote the idea of uh, sustainable landscapes but we also promote the idea of uh, lots of variety and lots of mix we don't uh, oaks are, you know fit in pretty well but we're you you could accuse us of quite often saying well here's something that'll grow faster here's something that uh, the monarch butterflies will like or and so we we could uh, in our promotions and our uh, trying to talk people into being part of that sustainable landscape, we could be uh, providing contrary information to w- what you're talking about in terms of the oaks. Do you, well, do you have any reaction you know, I to talk, that? Yeah, I, I talk about um, if, if people trying to make the sustainable landscapes you talk about, let's, let's say you're building an ecological house. The oaks and the other, other things that I call keystone species are the two-by-fours of that house. They're going to make it stand up. If you don't have them, the house falls down. You can't build a house out of, out of wallpaper. But they're not the only thing that goes in that house. Um, so, so they're essential but not sufficient. Uh, and when I, you know, when I talk about keystone plants, 
if you remember the Roman arch, the keystone is the stone in the middle of that arch. And if you pull it out, the arch collapses. The keystone plants are so important because they're making most of the food. If you take them away from the local food web, the food web collapses. Then you don't have the breeding birds and all the things that run our ecosystem. So um, this book was not designed to say oaks are the only thing you should plant. It's just designed to say oaks are something you definitely should consider planting. Calvin? Well, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay. But uh, is there any is there any danger? I mean, if uh, I don't know where, I take it that we are not uh, doing a good job in in uh, replacing the oaks and planting the oaks. So, is it, is it like a, a, a climate change? I mean, are we faced with a a major dilemma there at some point that we could much be easy for us to block it by planting oaks right now. But if we wait 10 years or 20 years, it's going to be uh, another uh, environmental disaster we have. How do you react to that? Yeah, and you can see it happening now. You know, we've lost 3 billion birds in North America in the last 50 years. We've got global insect decline. There are there are 91 species of oaks in North America, and I think 21 of them or 22 of them or something are threatened. Uh, there are 50% fewer oaks in our forests now than there were 100 years ago. So everything's declining because we haven't been thinking about coexisting with nature. It's always been humans here, nature someplace else. There isn't any someplace else anymore in most places. So. Uh, my goal is to get people to, to realize we can coexist with nature, and there's no better way to do it than to put an oak in here anywhere. Do you have uh, where Where do you live? What Where are you? What area? Pennsylvania. 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 Yeah. Well, well, you may not have these, but do you have uh, those deadly and dangerous uh, webworms <laughs> up in your country? We've got um, tent caterpillar, and we've got fall webworm. We've got both of those. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the ones that the worms that defoliate uh, pecan trees and things like that, and they make a big, big web, and have all they have their young in the confines of that uh, web. Web worms yeah, I think become web worms. The tent caterpillars. They don't get on yeah, oaks, do they? No. Oh, okay. Oh, go. Where were you going with this, Jerry? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just wondering if they were a problem up in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Okay. Was that the uh, the wasps well, that eat the that eat those? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, Doug. Um, but that. But there is a. The, the neat thing about that is that there's a. It's a great story, you know. You. The oaks and, uh, you know, the leaves, what role they can play and what they could say. And then the then the wasps, when uh, Jerry and I, oh, I don't know, for less, but, oh, webworms. When we were yeah. trying to help people with webworms, we, in our urban area, we couldn't spray pesticides anymore. So one of our uh Oh, Malcolm Beck and, and a bunch of the folks that are organic gardeners uh, suggested that we promote the idea of the wasps 
and it was ju- it just got pe- people kind of got excited about it, yeah. and it was so visible it, it was hard to believe that you <laughs> you know you did you take your cane pole and you'd open that wasp nest. I mean that nest of the webworms. The next thing you know, the wasps would be them right within sw- minutes swooping right. in. Yeah, yeah, and it, right. I, I, it's a, an opportunity to get people excited. What were you going to say, Doug? It, uh, it's not just the wasps. Wasps love to eat caterpillars, but there are two birds, the yellowbill and blackbill cuckoo, that specialize on those swoopworms. And they take yeah, their bill and they slice open that tent, and then they pick everyone out. Last year, I had 110 tents on my property, and a cuckoo came along and ate every single one of them. And this year, I have zero tents on my property. Huh. We rarely see a cuckoo. Yeah, we need cuckoos. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's some here. But Are there I don't, some in San Antonio? <laughs> but I just, uh, it's hard, hard to see. You know, another thing that uh, is fascinating, the the role that Blue Jays, you know, we, we always talk about the well how important the, the acorns are to the squirrels and to the deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I... And then some some of the birds, but somehow I I just kind of left out the the blue jays. But in in Doug's book, it, they can take in they can have five acorns in their mouth at the at the same time. Wow! And, and then the yeah one of the one of the reasons they're so valuable is that they're so inefficient that half, at least half of those acorns get buried no, really. in, yeah huh? get buried someplace in our uh, just end up getting rooted. Yeah, is a cuckoo uh, yeah. related to a magpie? Uh, I don't. I don't know. That no. they, yeah, I don't uh, think so. Yeah. Okay. Doug, talk about some of the myths too. This was interesting in the beginning of the book, talking about people's uh, misconceptions about oaks uh, that they're going to fall down and they're going right. to. Uh, and part of it depends. Well, yeah, I'll let you tell them. But yeah, I get, I get excited. Okay. Uh, because it was well, a learning what, thing. <laughs> One of the myths is that oaks grow too slowly. I hear people say, I won't live long enough to enjoy an oak. Um, Well, you know, they do grow slowly when they're very young. And I I promote planting oaks as young as possible because that's when they're building their root system. In the first year after an acorn germinates, it builds 10 times more root biomass than above-ground biomass. So it is growing. It's just that you don't see it. It's below the ground. But once that root system is built, then they do take off. If you buy a 15-foot oak and pay $3,000 for it, it has to be root-prone for, for you, know, you to move it and put it in your yard. And then it'll sit there for a decade trying to rebuild those roots. But in the same time, if you plant an acorn that same day, it'll build those root systems and, and you know, four or five years, then it takes off and it passes that one that you spend a lot of money on. So the one myth that, you know, they grow too slowly in the beginning, but later on they catch up and you've got a healthier tree. Another myth that, is that um, you want to go ahead. I was just th- th- thinking that that's, there, a, that's a that's that's another uh, exciting activity that you could get young kids. We've got a big uh, classroom garden program in the, in San Antonio. Lots of young people participating, and uh, you could get you know kids uh, with acorns. You could get them all excited. Uh, yeah. You know, to all, all plant, plant those acorns. acorns. Yeah, 
Um, what was one of the other myths, Doug? And I think you're going to go um, where I want you to go because it's this is this was so cool. I did not know this. Well, direct me if I don't. Okay, um, that, I got that you. All all oaks are huge, and you you know there are no small oaks that that, that can go in small yards. But that's not true. You talk about your live oaks down there; they get huge. But there's a dwarf live oak too. So people, even people with small properties, can can um, find small oak species. Um, another one is that they they're going to lift up your sidewalk and your driveway with their roots, and some species will. But there are deep rooted oaks that that won't. And I've got some pictures in the in this book showing how you know the huge red oaks and things right next to driveways don't touch them. Um, well, what's another myth? Which one do you want me to hit? The the one about the uh, the becoming uprooted and falling down. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, well, we plant everything as a specimen tree because we want it to reach its full grandeur. And you see those pictures of those beautiful ancient oaks. Uh, and I understand that. But that's when they fall down because, you know, in a real forest situation, they interlock their roots with other trees, and it makes them very stable. So I'm promoting that we, when you plant those young oaks, plant, plant a little oak grove, at least two, but maybe even three and much closer together than you normally would think. So they grow up as a unit. You view them as a unit. It'll be a little grove, but they're stable then. You get a tornado coming along, you might snap them off. It's not going to blow them over. And that's how yeah. you keep those trees from crushing your cars and, and busting your houses. But you have to start young so they can build their roots together. Which is kind of what they do. What we see here is these mots. They, they'll grow in mots and kind of all support each other and stuff. I guess well, that's what... Oh, it's a bit of a conflict. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, because we, uh, a lot of arborists, uh, and even us horticulturists say, well, don't plant anything closer than 30 foot. To oh, from the house? There, but that was, you know, that that's something you could overcome. You know, another thing is that we've, you talk about that slow growth, and live oaks we've kind of characterized as a medium growth speed, but we've got uh, Mexican white oak and we've got uh, a re Texas red oak, which are both very, very fast, high-quality trees and uh, grow uh, grow very fast. So so that gives right, us a, right. an out. So you got a favorite oak, Doug? This sounds like a very simplistic question, but... Well, I kind of grew up with white oaks, the Quercus alba here in the east. That would be my favorite, but um, I like the whole genus. It's a really cool genus. They <laughs> yeah. live in acid soils. They live in basic soils. They live in dry soils. They live in wet soils. They do. They do everything. Well, considering the, the the South Texas weather, live oaks live oaks must be tough because they uh, they go through a lot. And so, yes. like I said, yes, we're sitting out on the porch, and they're probably I don't know, just within eye shot. Fifteen or twenty of them, and they're they're taller than a taller than a two story house, so they're beautiful. That's great. But these are you live in a good area. Now, hidden, but they're they're uh, one half the size or one third the size of those oak trees in Pennsylvania. Oh, no, are they really? That Doug is looking oh, at. Oh man! But we don't have I any don't soil know. here either. No. Oh, that's true. I wanted to be bragging on our. You know, we everything's bigger in Texas. We we <laughs> we don't get as much rain as they do. No. Yeah. If you, uh, Doug, if you plant a lawn here in San Antonio, the law says you have to, you have to add four inch, you have to have four inches of soil. Can you imagine that? 
just four <laughs> inches of soil, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, and you don't have to measure it because it's anything below that four inches is all solid stone. Yeah. That's why your trees fall over, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, we do have that, that problem with, uh, or it gets real, and we have a drought, so it gets real dry, and then we'll get uh, four inches of rain and uh, with a, not much of a root system, and over they go. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the book is great, uh, and Doug, I'm going to butcher the, your your last name again because it's a little hard to hear you. So I, I didn't. So I'm not getting. Next time we we have you on, uh, we'll, I'll get it right. The nature of oaks, and you'll enjoy it. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, and, uh, and what's the last name? Uh, that's what you you had to ask, uh, that. Douglas. Tellamy. Tellamy. Tell exactly. Right. Oh, thank you, Calvin. Okay, tell me. And you want to do a brief commercial? We'll let you. Is it okay to talk about your, you know, I'm an e-reader, and so uh, I was curious. Well, now, wait a minute. Oh, now it's, oh, no, no, Bringing Nature Home. It's on sale. Is that yours? That's yours? That's fine, yeah. That's, that's a book that came out last year in March. Yeah, and it's uh, Bringing Nature Home, How You Can Sustain oh, no, Wildlife sorry. with... Nature's Best Hope came out last year. Bringing yeah. came out ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, it's on sale, by the way, uh, as an ebook uh, on Amazon. If you get ebooks and stuff like that, I thought. I, I and they can just look for the last name, which is what T A L L A M Y. Tell me. Okay, Doug, All we've right. enjoyed it, man. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying the Thank book, you. as you can Thanks tell. You I hope you. Okay. So where do we where yeah. does we find the book? You find the book, uh, Doug. You Amazon, obviously, Barnes and Noble, bookstores. Poor bookstores locally are hurting. Um, yeah, but you know, where do you recommend? Local bookstore. If if your local bookstore doesn't have it, ask them to get it, and you you can you can buy it from them. There you go. Yeah, support your local bookstores. I feel bad now that I even mentioned the Kindle. Now I'm feeling bad, but but yeah, <laughs> the, the frugal person in me was excited to share the opportunity to get it for two ninety nine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for coming on. You take care. Thank you. We've Bye-bye. enjoyed it. We'll take we'll take a break. You can call thank us you, Doug. with your oak stories at two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven. More in a moment. I'm Milton Glick. Back after this on nine thirty a.m. The answer. And welcome back to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas, at 9.30 a.m. The answer. Hey, since we were talking about wildlife and uh, species and nature and all that, remember to help you bring nature to your yard. And the hummingbirds are coming through. That's oh, what yeah. I, yeah, that's what I understand from Kyle. Yeah, they're, they're out there. You can help it, attract them to your yard with... Um, uh, with the hummingbird feeders and what Kyle has, what he was talking about at Wild Birds Unlimited at, Limited at Hebner and Northwest Military was feeders that hummingbirds love, but ants and other insects and stuff aren't so fond of. They make it difficult, but the hummingbirds love them. You can, you know, and he's got, he's got some artistic hummingbird feeders if you want that yeah but i always always think it's better to have a real functional one because you're talking about rinsing it out every week and refilling it and uh, and then we then of course we can take advantage of our friends at best one uh hummingbird feeder (laughs) uh, the manufacturer in poteet yeah 
They, yeah, they've been in they've been in the business ever since. Um, yeah, I've been here, and I think uh, Wild Birds Unlimited sells their feeders too. I'm sure they used to yeah, for yeah, sure. I think that yeah, I think we talked about that before, and all kinds of different things, and that's the idea. So maybe right now you're if you're interested, great, go to Wild Birds Unlimited Northwest Military at Hedmer. Tell them what you want to do, and they'll help you build that refuge in that your yard that for for birds and wildlife. But let's say you decide in fall you want to do more or you want to be prepared next year for purple martin season they'll help you at wild birds unlimited northwest military and hebner any time of the year with the, just the right ideas and they can they can still help people with their purple martin issues because oh, good because the martins are the, their behavior is so unpredictable and uh unexpected yeah it's always kind of good to say you go in there with your list and ask uh Ask uh, the crew there, you know, should I be worried about this? How should I deal with this? And they'll reassure them and they'll say, well, this how this is how it's related to nesting. And, they, you know, one of the things is uh, uh, they get... Okay, they get real excited, the Martins do, when you got somebody like... Somebody who's working on my irrigation. But in the long term, it's not a... Factor, but I, you know, my neighbors were all, oh no, the Martins are all going to leave. Look how riled up they are. Nah, right. didn't happen. And then that, that's the kind of advice you can get from uh, Wild Birds Unlimited. Yeah, so go by and visit Kyle. Bill's probably over there today. It's going to be a good day for Bill to be over there. Anybody at Wild Birds Unlimited, Hebner and Northwest Military, 479-BIRD. It's such an easy number to remember, 479-B-I-R-D. And you'll find Wild Birds Unlimited. You know, um, you know what bird won't leave you? A uh, sparrow. Ever. A sparrow, uh, yeah. So sparrow, stick with you. Yeah. Dr. Jerry Parsons' comments brought to you by the Sparrow Council <laughs> of America. Sparrow Council. Why not? Learn to love them. Learn to love them. That's, our, that's, <laughs> that's our our motto. That's your motto. They're here. He, he's <laughs> such a... Such a hypocrite. It wasn't like 20 years ago when he 20, was... 20, more like 50. When he was a oh. savage <laughs> I remember he, hunter, made, he made fun of you for trying to help the birds with the, the low-flying birds. Just keep your... Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. And then, yeah, now, now he's got sparrows, worms, and roaches that he takes care of <laughs> at his home. Somebody has to take care of the underdog. Yeah. And uh, the, the book, again, The Nature of Oaks, that we talked to with Douglas Tallamy. Yeah. And what was that other book? Man, man. So there's two books. He's got one, Nature's Best Hope, uh, and the other one is Bringing Nature Home, How You Can Sustain Wildlife with uh, Native Plants, which is uh, kind of that same idea with the, well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, how he avoids being contradictory uh, comparing the, oh, the oaks to, to the, the natives. To the natives. It's interesting. Really? So these huge oaks. These things are huge. I mean, if you've been to Millburgers and you look by the, the where the registers are and the inside, those things, how, how, how tall are those? What do you think? 45 feet. So they're how much taller in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think it'd Twice be easy seven. to have, yeah. You could have 90 foot tall oaks? a lot of 60 foot, 75 foot wow. oaks. Um what was I going to? Oh, well, even our neighborhoods, you go, just go over by a medical center. They have oaks that big near medical center? Well, they got oaks that are not much taller than these, but the trunks are 
you couldn't, you know, huge. the three of us couldn't couldn't reach all the way around. Yeah. And he didn't get into Oakwild. I was thinking of asking him that, but well, he does in the book. Does he get into Oakwild? But, in the book? but it's not it's not a big deal there. Yeah, oh, but that, okay. but Jerry brought up the top. There are some topics that there are a big deal. Uh, le- I guess less on Oaks than, uh, well, of course, the Elms were yeah. really threatened. And yeah. what was the other wood tree, Jerry? That uh, oh, the spruces. Yeah, and of course, for my country, my country in Tennessee. Uh, uh, borough, and uh, not the boroughs, uh, chestnuts, chestnuts, chestnuts. Yeah, so so everybody's got their kind of got a variety. Are there new varieties ever coming out of oaks? They seem so you know historical and old. And well, they get selected. Oh, and then and then but, sold, but, but it's it's not like if you're selecting zinnias. You know, you in two years, three years, you could drastically change yeah. a zinnia flower. Whereas, no. oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Oak. We've seen this. So, uh, in some, uh, what some of the uh, <laughs> the oak var- varieties that were selected for a different shape and for they thought that they were going to grow faster. Mm-hmm. So, I, so you could you could do that. It's uh, the the. Uh, Tree people, the botanists, and uh, uh, my friends like uh, uh, Paul Cox always made the statement that uh, oaks are very, they're very cross-pollinated, and they're promiscuous, is what they use. Thank you for not bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) And and to prove this... (laughs) I, when I was running with a, doc, a good friend, Dr. Mar- Barton Warnock, the guy that uh, ha- uh, listed all the plants in Big Bend National Park, lived out in uh, uh, out west. Uh, he he was always he knew uh, where the the uh, largest planting. Of Hinkley oaks were there. There were dwarf red oak, a uh, white. I mean, uh, it was white oak, but uh, live oak, dwarf. I'm talking about uh, bell tie on a six uh-huh. foot man. And so um, he wanted he uh, wanted to give me something that's very rare. And uh, he actually gave me some acorns. Or let me pick some acorns on the Hinkley oak, which is an, is an endangered species, and uh, and it's the one that Dr. Warnock actually got the 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 uh, route of a major U.S. highway changed mm. so that it would go around the stand of those Hinkley oak. So I said. You know, I, I ain't got time to grow an oak tree, especially this one. But uh, he gave me some acorns, and I planted them. They came up rapidly. They're white oak. And uh, we planted them at the botanical garden, about 15, 15 to 20 of them. And every one of them was different. None of them came back. Like the true Hinkley huh. mother that I got them all from, 
And so uh, we had this whole idea we were going to collect a seed and grow for yeah. this endangered species, but it's very, very highly cross-pollinated. It's just a little bit like our uh, our uh, oaks, uh, Texas red oaks versus our... Yeah. What What is the other one that, that from the, the east? Uh, uh, also... But they all, they you know... Yeah, they were very they, easily cross-pollinated. It's hard I, sometimes to tell which is which. <laughs> now, these... The interesting thing about it that was to me about it was they were in the middle of West Texas. In other words, you could you could stand up in that mott or growing place and look for fifty miles around, not an oak tree, fifty miles around. And so I figured maybe the acorns would come true. Since they were probably uh-huh. mostly isolated, self-pollinating, they had to be. I mean, unless that old pollen, unless blow. one of those blue jays he was talking about, yeah, blows from a long way. But obviously, they do. Or the original genetics of that oak carries from <laughs> one generation to the, uh, another rather rough, huh. completely. That would be an interesting uh, question. Yeah. Uh, and, but it, uh, as you brought up, the, any exploring you do on oaks is uh, <laughs> not something that's done in two weeks. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, i never forget Patty Leslie and, of course, Paul Cox were doing a lot of uh, studies on uh, the uh, major trees and things like that. In fact, I think they wrote a book together. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of pretty pictures in it. Right? <laughs> no pictures. He's being <laughs> facetious. Yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, they were all excited. I came in there, drove in the botanical garden one day, and they were all excited that they were going to get out and collect some of the uh, Hinkley Oak uh, progeny. But with Dr. Warner. And I said, well, you don't need to go out there. I got 50 trees growing in a ditch behind my house. They about had a fit. You, you can't collect seed out there. It's against the law. It is a endangered species. Uh, only Dr. Warnock could collect seed because he was a botanist. And uh, so they were disappointed that they were going to be the first ones to, uh, weren't going to be the first ones to collect seed from the rare and endangered Hinkley Oak. Can, can huh. you imagine, Trace, that that their disappointment did not include the fact that Jerry uh. got in there ahead of them. <laughs> not just that they weren't the first, but that Jerry was. Jerry, be, Jerry beat them to it. A guy that a guy that really didn't give a damn about <laughs> the, the Hinkley Oak. Especially when we saw that it doesn't come true from seed. Jerry's part of the plant mafia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it was fun. The uh, they didn't call in on that. Uh, the ranchers didn't call in on that trip. Yeah, yeah I didn't get that phone call. Most of my guy. Calvin used to be my uh, ambassador. Yeah, mm-hmm. Calvin used to handle his the calls and complaints that came through. Well, I, I always you must have been a very busy person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and you don't you you would suspect it was one of those kind of calls when 
it'd be early in the morning and there'd be no phone ringing in there because all those uh, rural people <laughs> yeah right they were up they were up early and they they had a cause that they were, <laughs> but they but but of course it turned out they were uh, sympathetic to the extension <laughs> service and sympathetic to learning yeah. more about their plants. Yeah. Hey, we got Val on the line. Val's got a lot of in- info for us at 210-308-8867. Hi, Val. Welcome to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas. What's going on? Well, thank you for taking my call. Uh, y'all were talking about the hummingbirds and live oak trees, and the the black-throated is always here early in, in March already. And I have noticed that when the live oak, my particular, a particular live oak tree that I have here, when it starts to bloom, uh, that hummingbird goes to it and uh, gets nectar from that bloom. Yeah, that. No, it's. I, and, I'm not sure it's their favorite, but I've. I, I'm with <laughs> you. I've seen them. But there's really not much blooming. Uh, at that time, so I see them uh, uh, doing that. And also, y'all were talking about honey last week. Yeah. And I have a tree that's from Beeville, and even though it was protected, uh, it uh, it uh, has wonderful sweet blooms. It's called Leatherleaf or Knock or Knock. And the bees love that, and I've had bee collectors come here, and um, and and gave me some of the honey that was produced on these these trees, and it's very sweet, you know, very sweet. In fact, the white. What was that? Le- leather leaf mahonia. I believe so. Yeah, that. Well, Trace has had uh, that. Oh yeah, I, I think I actually have a variety. Now, uh, mahogany, I think. I definitely see the hummingbirds and bees and everybody going to that. Oh, it's a pretty it's spectacular it's plant for the shade, I think. Yes, the name, yes it is. But you now, say they call it mahogany? No, the, one, the variety I have is mahogany, but it's a mahonia. Okay. So, so the uh, wood's not mahogany. No, no. It's, no. it's, a, shru- it's a shrub. It's a, it's a, a misunderstood one. It's uh, Different varieties obviously get different heights, but... Uh, I think the one she's talking about gets like 12 feet. Okay. Yes, um, it is. has this gorgeous yellow blooms, and then they turn into berries that look like a cluster of grapes. Oh, wow. wow. And the wet, wildlife likes them. It really sure. is. So, so its nickname also, is Grape Mahonia. Uh, I've heard of that. Jerry, Jerry's always talking about uh, the sparrows, and I was wondering if he has heard the song Little Sparrow. It's a duet uh sang by uh, Sarah Cooper. It's beautiful. It's sort of a spiritual song, but it is... It, well, that's it, what we need for this show. Well, you, you, know, you need all the help you can get. Yeah. <laughs> when you said spiritual, I don't oh, yeah. know if that suits Jerry or not. Yeah. Okay, Milton, <laughs> have you ever heard of that song? I have not heard of Little Sparrow. I bet you Al can So find how it. are we going to hear that song? I bet you Al can find it. Al's going to find it. Al okay. find it. Al can find anything. It's true. <laughs> Well, well, thank I you, Val. Enjoy, I enjoy your program so much, and thank you so much for sharing uh, all the wonderful knowledge and all that we all enjoy each weekend. Thank you, ma'am. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you, know, you. I've, heard, I've heard a rumor that Al actually knows where Jimmy Hoffa is. Wait a minute. Shh. 
he, he, gets, he gets upset if you even joke about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Val, thanks. All right, we're going to take a quick break and see what happens. 210-308-8867. 210-308-8867. More of Millburgers Gardening South Texas. It is beautiful. Come on out to Millburgers where we are at right now at 1604 on Boulevard Road on 930 AM, The Answer. Precious, fragile little thing Little sparrow, little sparrow Flies so high and feels no pain Oh, and Jerry instantly knew that was Dolly Parton. So did Calvin. All right, little sparrow for you. That's wonderful. I know. Yeah. Now, would Dolly have sung about anything? But a <laughs> wonderful Dolly, I, bird. She has that great song, that, that Martin of Many Colors, uh. Purple Martins. <laughs> Calvin, what you got over there? Uh, I've got my article uh, in the Saturday's uh, newspaper. Is uh, talks about gardening resources for those that are new to the area, that particularly were. Uh, if you're interested in the the Water Saver Landscape Design School, sponsored by uh, SAWS and a number of other organizations, including the Gardening Volunteers of South Texas, you want you probably want to check that out. Gardeningvolunteers.org. It's a a, a a Zoom class starts every every Monday and every Wednesday from 10:30 to to noon. Uh, but a lot of handouts, a lot of good speakers, a lot of information. Also in this article, we talk about plantanswers.com and the information you get from Jerry Parsons uh, archive mm. and uh, gardenstyleessay.com at Saws. Uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, so check check that out. Uh, gardeningvolunteers.org. And the limited, it's limited to 50 enrollees, so you pro- you probably want to yeah go quick consider that. And when right. is it again? Huh? When is it again? It starts on uh, the 10th of May. Okay. And then the so last class time. is on May 26th, and that's the one I'm going to be teaching. It's uh, uh, talking about the the plants to consider in your your landscape if you're uh, going to be successful here in San Antonio. Very cool. All right, 210-308, and that's gardeningvolunteers.org, 210-308-8867. All right, Jerry's going to answer. Did you want to be on the air with us? No? Okay, Jerry, you help her out. Oh, okay. Okay, I got a, I got a question for Calvin. You you ask him. He, he's, he specializes in stupid questions. Um, so we went to Fort Worth. I mentioned that earlier. And... We saw beautiful Japanese maples, and I was trying to find out, can we grow? This was called, like, Good Bloods or something, Japanese. It was a rich, dark, deep red. Can we grow Japanese maples here? I was told by someone we could not. Or we can, but they will die quickly. Yeah, they they generally require acid soil, and they have trouble dealing with our uh, uh, droughty uh, heat in the summertime. Were they in special plantings, like in the? They were in a botanical garden, so they oh, might have yeah. been. Yeah, they get, they got the uh, soil, and generally they 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 put them in these courtyards. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's where they do that that do okay. But it's a it's a challenge. I'm okay. Then but the person who told me I, I emailed them. We sell them here at Milford. I know, and I know we've gotten calls on yeah. them. Uh, Mark Peterson was uh, said, "Yep, you can, but they're not long lived." Yeah, and it's not a. He said, "And it's uh, not something you do uh, just." To, and then he got sarcastic on me when yeah. I said that they were growing them in Fort you Worth. Yeah, to, to explain the difference between Fort Worth and San Antonio to me. Yeah. You know what else they had in the, in the botanical garden that you would have been uh, maybe a little jealous of, and they were so common. It's it's amazing what a difference three hundred miles makes. Columbine. Tons and tons of Columbine, beautiful yellow, uh, and there were just all these different beds, both in the in the botanical garden and in their experimental and their developmental gardens. They had them too. Yeah, we had a we had a well when when we yeah had some success. It was about fifteen years. Were, were they in the planting beds? What's that, Columbine? Yeah, yeah. They were, were in beds. You're right around trees. Yeah. Okay. And were they pure yellow? Yeah. Okay. They were almost banana yellow. I mean, that's that's it. And look like a like that. A sp- that is the pure uh, Texas Columbine. Yeah, I'll Texas have to, Gold Columbine. I'll have to send you some pictures. Yeah, they're spectacular. I think uh, Paul and Patty had a lot to do with planting those. And if they're in the right place. And they get enough water, they recede. Landscape at the first place I lived, they came. They were under some yeah. oak, oak trees that didn't get very big. They didn't have any soil, but they they just prospered. Every and they spread way out into the yard yeah. every winter, and then they retreated every summer. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. We are gonna say.